All right. Thank you, everybody, for joining the podcast today. Today, we have Laura with us. She's a co-founder of FlightView, um, a Nashville-based service agency uh, in entertainment and marketing, founded in 2015. Uh, it provides to connect brands to consumers through compelling storytelling and experiences, and also through the power of pop culture. In addition, um, you did a Super Bowl ad uh, for Bumble. So that's also fantastic. So before we get into all of that, um, could you give us a little deeper background about yourself and what you're working on? Yeah, background is I was uh, always, well, I was an art major in college. I always wanted to be an art director, go into advertising, but wanted to work in the music industry. And so I moved to Nashville without a job 15 years ago. Uh, and found my way uh, into the world of wonderful world of music, into talent. I was an agent for a number of years, uh, always doing sponsorship and endorsements. Uh, so I was helping to pair brands with the right artist, essentially the right storyteller, uh, and brokering those deals on behalf of artists. And about five years ago, I decided to start my own company, Flight View, uh, where I would work on behalf of the brand. Uh, and help them craft their marketing campaigns uh, and really helping them integrate into pop culture. Um, part of that is still finding the right storyteller for them, but it's much more broad than just music these days. Um, it's athletes, uh, influencers, musicians, uh, and sometimes it's it's none. Sometimes it's alignments with properties or Super Bowl ads, as you mentioned. Uh, so it's, it's helping brands uh, accomplish their goals, whatever that might be. Uh, via the power of entertainment. Fantastic. So like stepping back for a second, what um, motivated you to start your own business? Oh, a number of factors. Uh, one, there was an opportunity in the market. Um, it was right at the time when influencers were, that term was starting to be used. Yeah. Uh, brands were wanting to get into the space, but didn't know how uh, in music specifically, which is where I was where the majority of my time was spent, I was helping brands navigate all the rights holders, which can be a really confusing space uh, for corporations um, to understand. And and so I realized that there was a need for an agency uh, that set, that could sit inside entertainment, but only represented the brand and could help them navigate the space. So there was definitely a need in the market. And then second for me um, personally, I was really wanting to create an agency and a company uh, and entertainment that whose sole purpose was to give back to the community. Um, and, you know, in entertainment specifically, you're working, uh, you're making money for people that have a lot of it already. <laughs> and I really wanted to, to continue to support artists and musicians, but I, I wanted to do it in a way that I uh, could change the world. And so at Flight View, uh, our goal is not how much money we can make, but how much money we can give. So every year we get 5% more uh, back to the community. And this year we're at 25% um, off the top. Uh, oh. And in addition to that, every brand that we work with um, is mission-based or there's or the program that we're building is mission-based. And so that's a requirement for brands who, who want to engage Flight View is that there has to be a give back element of the campaign. That's super interesting. So is the goal to, if you keep adding five, like, we're going to keep going. We're going to keep going. Yep. As, as long as we're able to do that. And, and we are, I think everyone can always give something. It's something my parents instilled in me when I was young, that if I had a dollar, I gave at least 10 cents away and I got to keep 90. And 
And actually that's not true. I had to save 10, I had to give 10, and then I could spend 80. That was really the percentages. And so I think just from a young age, I always know whatever you have, I think it's it's our responsibility to, if we're blessed with it, to, to give it back. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely agree. And it's great to see companies like you doing, you know, services like that, especially in times, our, our current times that we're in. Yeah. Um, and then before you said you worked at entertainment. Um, I did. I, I worked at uh, William Morris and CAA. Got it. Uh, and I was at CAA the longest for about seven, eight years. Okay. So how was it from going from CAA where you have endless resources and then you leave to start off your own agency and then walk me through like what that first client or what that first deal looked like? Uh, that, that's a good story. So it felt like, jumping off a, this is probably a bad analogy now, but jumping off a cruise ship (laughs) into a life raft and rowing as fast as you could to the shore. Uh, that's, that's what it felt like. Um, but it was an exciting time. I mean, it, it, there is a excitement and a fun to being in that life raft with, at the time we had five, five people with us and, and, taking on jobs that you never thought that you would ever do, figuring it out. I mean, it's, it's the life of a startup. Um, and I realized in that journey that that is really what spurs my soul. Like I love building things and I love uh, figuring out ways, creative ways to get over obstacles. And, and that really did like light a fire uh, for me. So I enjoyed that process. Not everybody does, but for me, it was great. Um, and then you ask a second question, and I don't remember what it was. <laughs> sure. So, like, you started um, your first client or your first deal. How did that come about? And then, yes. you know, how did you My first start? client. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, as an agent, I was working with a lot of brands already, um, but I was on the side of the talent. So, a lot of brands, the last a few years as, as I was an agent, kept asking me to come work for them. <laughs> um, and so, one brand that I had been working with a long time was Cracker Barrel. Um, for maybe people who don't know what that is, that's a restaurant. Um, also, they have a retail store attached. Um, and so it's home-cooked food, a very popular in the South, but um, now across the country. And so music has always been a part of that brand. They actually sell music in their stores. And they were looking for somebody to come in and kind of revitalize that music program for them. And at the time, my business partner, Uh, was head of marketing at Warner Brothers. And so they invited us to come in for a meeting and to ask if we wanted to pitch for the business. Well, at the time, we we didn't have a company. We were still working our day jobs. And we said, why not? Let's try it. You know, we have nothing to lose, absolutely nothing to lose. And so we went in and we pitched. We, neither of us had worked at an agency. We had no idea what that meant, but we did have a vision of how they could revitalize their music program. Um, and we were experts in this space. So we knew we were best positioned to do that. So we did the pitch, ended up a few hours later, they called us back and said, okay, you won the business. Uh, what's the name of your agency? And I came up with something on a spot that is not the name because we couldn't trademark it. So <laughs> I shouldn't say it now. And they said, how many people are on the team? And I said, how many people do you need on the team? <laughs> and that was our first client. And they're still a client to this day. That's fantastic. And yeah. y- how did you know what to offer? Did you just offer the few things, like the, the core things you guys were good at? Like, how, how did you even know to come up with the offering and whatnot? Yeah, well, we understood that they needed to change perception 
-hmm. of the brand first within the music community and then with consumers and music is a great way to do that i mean it's a great way to reach gen z and millennials and, and really every generation and so being in music we understood where that program needed to go to get there and to help them accomplish their goals so um we did we actually launched uh the program the new music program with a band called pentatonics okay. i probably heard of um, and that was a departure for them because they had been focused solely on country music so mm -hmm. it really surprised a lot of folks that you know we went with this acapella pop band um and that program ended up they through that program pentatonics secured the number one spot on billboard for most albums sold that week because they sold through cracker barrel and they ended up uh surpassing Demi Lovato, uh, which was a, a whole uh, industry um, talking point. And so it actually started something called hashtag Crackergate within the music industry. And so it really put Cracker Barrel on the map as a retailer that can move product. And it really changed the perception within the music industry of, of the power that Cracker Barrel had um, in album sales. Wow. That's this. Okay. That, that, that's crazy. I, I thought it would just be like, you know, you guys did a they had a nice music program and then did well, they were happy, but you guys are topping charts. Yeah, we topped charts. And then as a follow-up to that, a few months later, we did a partnership with Dolly Parton uh, and we were selling her music in the stores and, and to market that program. Um, we knew that Pentatonics, their dream uh, collaboration was with Dolly, like who's isn't, right? <laughs> and so uh, we convinced Dolly to do um, a remake of the song Jolene, which is a very famous song of hers, with pentatonics. Uh, we shot it on the Cracker Barrel front porch. Uh, we had literally had four hours to for them to record it, to shoot it, and to finalize the mix. And we did. We pushed it out. And make a long story short, uh, it spurred on performances on The Voice, which they did together. Um, I think it, I believe it was ACM Awards where they performed together, and it ended up winning a Grammy. So Cracker Barrel is the first brand to ever uh, win a Grammy. So yeah, really. That's a great way to start an agency. Yeah, <laughs> That's awesome. And then so it seems like, you know, you guys really knew how to do that part of the business in terms of helping a company understand its vision, whether it's in relation to music or even just a whole campaign in general. But with you and your business partner, then it came time to execute. How were you able to fill those roles initially um, in terms of the execution? Yeah. Uh, so... My business partner and I, while we align 100% on the vision, we have very different skill sets. Uh, I am more of the achiever. So I like to go, I like to build the program, sell it in, and then he's the activator. So he loves to bring it to life. And that's kind of where I lose interest. So that's wonderful. So we, that's how we manage the business. Um, so I'm really on the new business, on the new client side, on the strategy side, and, and he then leads all the teams internally. So our PR teams, our production teams, creative teams, social media teams, uh, he has all those people in place to actually execute whatever we dream up. That's awesome. Did, did you know that was going to be the, um, yeah. <laughs> you no, know? you didn't know that was going to be the system? We did, we did not know that starting out. If I ever started another company, I would do a lot more research on my business, potential business partners mm -hmm. uh, before going into business with them, but it just worked out perfectly for us and I could not ask for a better partner and we got so lucky. Uh, and just even in our personality types um, that we really balance each other out, so that works out well. 
That's fantastic. That's like the perfect split. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> and then, um, you know, and then from like kind of fast forwarding a little bit, you guys have a lot of offerings now. First, before I step into my next question, can you describe a little bit about the types of things you guys offer as an agency? Yeah. We're really full service marketing agency, um, but we're still small and nimble. We're about 24 people uh, and we all have a different area of expertise. Um, So I mentioned building the strategy, obviously Jeremy and I as partners really focus on that. Um, And then we have all the different departments to execute any type of program we come up with. Um, So on the media side, uh, we have earned and paid uh, because any program that we build, we have to amplify it, right? And and when even when we're ideating, we really start with the headline. Um, what is it that we're trying to achieve and what is going to be a success for the brand, for a client? Um, and where is that headline? Is the headline in New York Times or is it USA Today? Because those are two different programs that's going to achieve that. So we need to understand what the goal is and what the headline is, and then we'll pull the different pieces together. So Sometimes it, there might be talent involved. Um, it might be a partnership with an award show, or it might be a Super Bowl. It might be sports. Um, it might be an alignment with the Olympics or um, Major League Soccer. It, it, there's a lot of different tools and puzzle pieces to put together in a program. Um, but collectively, we have all the teams that can do that and can bring it to life. And the reason why we needed to build it full service is because my experience was as an agent that a lot of agencies would try to get into this space of entertainment and they didn't have the expertise. Mm-hmm. Um, they were traditional media or marketing agencies trying to play in this world. We live in this world. We were born and raised in this world and we somehow figured out how to run an agency. Yeah. <laughs> and so I still tell people, I don't know what I'm doing. I was never, I never grew up in the agency world. We just built it according to what our clients needed and what was most efficient. So when I have my, PR team sitting right next to my um, execution team or my production teams, let's say we're doing a concert. Uh, My production team control the inventory. My PR team need inventory to trade with media outlets for coverage. Typically, those would be two different agencies, both with different budgets. That's not the way it is that our agency will trade so we can get that media coverage for free (laughs) um, versus spending money. So there's a lot of efficiencies to having all those disciplines in-house. Um, we kind of call ourselves the black ops of marketing where we're similar to like a black ops team that we can go in real quick. We can get a project completed and then we can get out. (laughs) Um, and we have the skill set and the expertise to do it. How do you deal with, um, the obstacles when a a client asks for something new that, you know, you might not have experience in and then building that out? Yeah. Um, I am real quick to, uh, be honest with clients about, maybe expertise that we don't have. So an example being we were asked to take on uh, um, a part, a sports partnership that a client had already in place. They just wanted us to manage it and to build some activations around it. Um, it was specifically in basketball. Um, I don't have experience in basketball and no one on my team did. So we ended up finding uh, a good colleague and a good friend of mine, former colleague, friend of mine, who uh, had run the NBA sponsorship um, programs for four or five years and just happened to um, be in town. And so we hired her on as a consultant and she's running that program for us. So, and the brand was thrilled with it because now they had this expert on their team um, all within the retainer that obviously they were paying us. And so I think that's the key. I think when agencies try to do what they don't have 
expertise in. And that's, that's when it gets watered down. Like be humble enough to know what you don't know and bring in really smart people to do it. It just makes you look smarter um, to do that. And so I, I learned that early on and, and that's how we manage maybe areas that we're not, we don't have the staff on um, uh, full-time staff to manage. Well, that's great. Yeah, I often feel like um, sometimes agencies try to grow too quickly and mm-hmm. then they take on things that they can't control and then it doesn't perform so well. And um, yeah, no, but uh, bringing on an expert and being upfront with your clients, I think that's the best recipe yeah. for success. And stay focused. You know, we have, we work really well in the sandbox with so many other agencies. Um, and I love that. Like, I love finding agencies that have expertise that we don't. Um, you know, the more the merrier, the more we can do together. Um, I think a lot of agencies tend, at least this is my experience being now in the agency world for the past four or five years, <laughs> tend to be competitive a bit. Um, and we've won a lot of great awards uh, with partnerships with other agencies. Um, and I can name a few of them, but I, I just think, you know, there's there's enough work for everybody. And let's like stick to our lane with what we know and do that really, really well. How, how, how do you how do you build your network in that sense? Like, how, how do you find great partners? How do we find great partners? That is something I challenge my team with, actually, because I can't know everybody. Uh, and so, I think whether it's partnerships in entertainment or partnerships on the agency side, like they are tasked every week with setting up phone calls, setting up lunches, learning what new technologies are out there. Um, you know, what's going on in the VR world, the AR world? What are the tech companies that are building the best equipment? Like that's only gonna help us build more innovative programs. Uh, so my uh, production team really is tasked with a lot of those relationships and, and building those. And business goes both ways. You know, we, we engage other agencies and then they engage us and that's the best kind of partnership. That's great. And then you know, in terms of partnerships, and then on the other side, you're working with some fantastic brands. Um, how are you doing this? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've been really fortunate uh, early on to work with some really great brands that trusted us and gave us enough rope to do some really great programs. Um, I mentioned Cracker Barrel. Um, Bumble was an early client for us. Uh, that's grown exponentially in the past four years uh, and, and really allowed our company to also grow exponentially. Um, and we're still working with them as well. Enterprise is another uh, that came on early um, and we started working with. So, and Red Cross too, um, the American Red Cross, you know, they're a nonprofit and so there's a lot of restrictions <laughs> on what you can and can't do. And that was a great challenge for us. And to be able to show other brands what we can do uh, with limitations, um, I think shows brands uh, your capabilities. Like that's an even better case study to show. Yeah. And so I just think we had really great opportunities and we hustled um, and, and their work speaks for itself. Um, luckily, a lot of those calls were incoming because they saw the work that we were doing for Bumble um, or Victoria's Secret Pink. Um, we, because we activate at really big pop culture moments. So Coachella, Super Bowl, et cetera. There's a lot of brands there. So they all see what everyone else is doing. And because our programs were getting headlines and getting a lot of press, everybody wanted to know 
who did the Bumble program or who did the VS Pink program. And so we got a lot of calls that way. That's great. No, if your best biz dev essentially is if it's your work, that's the best way to run a business. Yeah. So that's fantastic. Um, can you talk more about the Bumble relationship? Because I, I just see a bunch of accolades about Bumble here and the things you guys have done with them. Yeah, I love talking about Bumble. They're a mission-based brand. Uh, a lot of folks think of Bumble as a, as a dating app, but there's so much more than that. Um, they're a social connection app with about 75 million users globally. Um, and when I first met Whitney and the team, uh, they were very small at that point, probably only five or six uh, women. What year was this? That, um, four years ago. Um, and their company is about five years old. So it was only about a year in. And I saw the vision. Like it was not just a dating app. Like Whitney's vision was so much greater than that. And I wanted to be a part of it. And I was really inspired by it, um, especially being a female myself and um, growing up in a home where maybe making the first move was really frowned upon for a woman. Uh, and so I, I loved the idea that on Bumble, I could make the first move um, as a woman and, and how that parlayed into other areas of life and business and uh, how Bumble now has BFF and Bumble Biz and really encouraging women to make the first move in any relationship and to really go after their dreams. Um, so yeah, it's a wonderful brand. I think because of the unique mission, um, it really allows us to be really creative in marketing and how we tell that story and who we align with to tell the story. Um, and of course, Super Bowl was two years ago uh, for them. And I remember uh, we had the discussion about doing a Super Bowl ad and, and they said, Laura, okay, you know, go do it. And I had never done an ad. <laughs> That's crazy. And so might as well start with Super Bowl. Uh, and yeah, I kind of, I peaked, I think, in my first, <laughs> my first ad. So uh, yeah, it was great. We brought on a few other agency partners to help us with that. Um, VML being one. Um, and then IDPR, uh, who was Serena's PR agency that really helped us with that as well. Cause we had six weeks to execute an entire program. So that was, that was a fun challenge. You guys had six weeks to do the whole thing. We had six weeks <laughs> to pull it together, to shoot it and to turn it in, uh, by the deadlines. So yeah, that was a really quick turn and most brands plan a year in advance, but, uh, that's not the name. That's not how this uh, opportunity came about. Um, it was really, and most brands go, I guess I should say most brands go into Super Bowl um, thinking let's do a Super Bowl ad. This really started with a conversation with Serena um, and a partnership with Bumble and the way that we wanted to announce it was Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. So that's why there was that immediate rush is the partnership with Serena is many years. Um, she's a global advisor to the brand. So that was a much bigger deal. Uh, and so we were focused on that uh, before we decided let's launch this in a big way. Were you guys working on the Serena um, uh, collaboration with Bumble prior? Yes. Yeah. Yep. That's crazy. I, I did not realize you could turn around a Super Bowl ad in six weeks. So uh, either. <laughs> <laughs> maybe the advantage of me having never really worked on one before was that I didn't know that either. Yeah. Um, and so, you, you know, when there's a, there's a great, I think blessing in uh, naivety sometimes. And especially when you're starting a company and if you would have told me how hard it was going to be to start a company four years ago, and I would have seen everything I had to go through, I probably wouldn't have done it. 
but now walking through it's like if you just take it day by day you'll get through right and and I think that's that's been one advantage that we've had over the years is we we ask the question why not yeah that's fantastic it's I I got to look at your um the, the pink campaign as well and I thought that was tremendous the question I had in regards to that was yeah. how do you juggle all the different things going on in these campaigns because the preface to that question is, you know, a lot of agencies might run Facebook ads or they might make content, right? And even in those small verticals, there's so many things that can go wrong. When you have a live activation and people are at stands and people are at the other, you know, people are on the bus and you have marshmallow, there's like a million things that can go wrong. How do you, how do you do that? Yeah. Um, you know, a million things do go wrong <laughs> and it's my job and my team's job to adapt. And especially thank you for thank you for acknowledging that because mm -hmm. especially when you're working with humans and not products like you're working with talent and you're working with live events like there will be things that will go wrong especially flight view is known for doing firsts uh, and so when we're doing some a first aka putting marshmallow on top of a bus and routing him around chicago streets and playing live shows no one's ever done that before. The city's never seen that before. So you can imagine how the city probably felt about that um, early on. So we, I train my team to have a growth mindset. And a growth mindset, when you hit an obstacle, it's, wow, this is a great opportunity to learn. Or how can I get around this obstacle? It's not, mm, okay, stop, turn around, and go back home. Or this is frustrating. Or I can't do this. That's the exact opposite, right? So we really work with our team on having growth mindsets around these projects uh, because it is inevitable when you're doing something for the first time that you're going to get no's, that people are going to push back, uh, that um, I think, you know, artists are going to pass on on offers. You got to keep going. You got to figure out what's going to incentivize them, what's going to get that yes. Uh, and so we really focus a lot of time. I have leadership coaches come in uh, to spend a lot of time with my team. It's really, it's a mentality. Oh, and, and, and for anyone in the audience that hasn't, doesn't know exactly what we're talking about, please go check out their site. We'll, we'll, we'll link to it in the chat. But like, when I saw that, I was like, you have streets, you have marshmallow, you have a huge <laughs> you know, performer. And then you have, the, the, it was Stan's Donuts. And there was another thing that was, uh, what was the other stuff? Yeah, so, so the whole program uh, was for VS Pink, and they wanted to activate in Chicago, which is the number one market for their VS Pink app. They were relaunching their app and wanted to create an experience for college-age girls, um, which is their target consumer. Um, and so we routed uh, what we called Pink Avenue, a take on Michigan Avenue, through Chicago. And on that route, we aligned with uh, different stores um, and different Chicago uh local um, local known uh, stores like Stan's Donuts, there was a pizzeria, um, there's a candy shop, et cetera. And if you went into that store and showed your pink app, you got a special um, kind of product. So it would be like pink donuts or heart-shaped pizzas, et cetera. And then we put marshmallow on a double-decker bus wrapped in pink bus. We put media um, influencers on the bottom level of that bus and we toured that around Pink Avenue and it stopped at every one of those locations. And he was actually only supposed to perform at the location, but he just kept playing the whole route. So again, we just went with it. Yeah. 
if he wants to play, let's play. It's great. So we kept, we kept circling and then he ended at Navy Pier where we had a concert for about 8,000 people. What was Pink just like, give us your biggest idea and then you guys just yeah. push that? Or? So, yeah, so the way that we work, uh, we really have kind of this phase one, phase two process. Uh, phase one is when we do a big onboard with everybody at the at the company, um, okay. from the legal team to the social team to the marketing team. Because again, like you mentioned, we're touching all of those. Uh, and a lot of times they have different goals when you really dig in. Um, so we meet with them. We have about a six day week process where we come back to our war rooms. We build about five or six different concepts. And we take it back to the brand. They get to choose one or two. We start tweaking, et cetera. And then we finally end up on the final. Um, and then phase two is bringing that to life. Uh, they actually, we had six different concepts and that was the one that they chose. Wow. And, and th- that, that we one's still five others that we may bring to life. That one still blows my mind. And when you said a pizzeria shop, it wasn't like a small pizzeria shop. It's Illuminati's. In, so I'm from Chicago. So oh, you are? Okay. Yeah. yeah. I'm actually in Chicago right now. So, um, oh, man. Yeah called you next time so it's like i was like how do they convince these i mean there's so many stars that have to align and it's not just like digital things it's like relationships it's the city it's the musician so um yeah no Thank you for acknowledging that yeah and 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 when you get a no you either have to reposition it until you can get a yes or you have to adapt and adjust and figure out then how that affects the program and, and maybe what you can substitute or, or how you can adjust it. So, I mean, I know that program shifted several times, um, but at the end of the day, again, we're always shooting for that headline. And yep. that was the headline they wanted that VS Pink takes over Chicago. And so however we, whatever we need to do to pull that off, that's what we had to do. No, that's, that's great. Um... Oh, yeah, that was um, the, the one more thing on this. And then we move to my next question is just the thing I loved about this is when I saw that, I was like, okay, thousand person company, right? The one thing I want to tell the audience is like, with your size, you were able to execute this. And I think that's just amazing. So like never, like anything can be done with, you know, even with 25 team members, right? You found the right partners, you executed with 25 people. And like, that's just mind boggling to me. Yeah. And, and I think that's a four programs going on that same month. At the same time? Too. Yeah. That was just one of four that were equally uh, <laughs> intricate. So, yeah, that was a busy time for us. But, I mean, yes, it speaks to the uh, amazing tenacity and hustle of my team and my business partner. Um, and I think sometimes when you're smaller, you can actually do more because uh, mm-hmm. you're focused and there's not a, there's not um, cumbersome prop processes in place there's not too many people we, we don't have a lot of meetings about meetings and I find that a lot of big agencies that they like to talk about a lot of things and uh you know we have three meetings and we already have a plan to execute and we're on to executing um you know our clients are paying for our time and I always view that as if this was my if this were my money do I feel like this meeting was effective would I have invested the amount of money that it would take to put six people in a room for an hour for that meeting. Like what came of this? And so I really challenged my team in thinking about time as money because it is. So let's be the most effective with our time for our clients. And um, before uh, we open up to Q&A, I have a final question. Can you talk about a moment where you were trying to get a client, but you just couldn't and you persevered through to 
get that client? Oh, well, Bumble's a good one, actually. Okay. Um, so this was early on. Uh, again, I think I was the first person on Bumble in Nashville <laughs> four years ago. And again, I had discovered the app and thought this is, first, it's a product I would use and I was using. I saw the vision. And so I found a mutual friend uh, who knew one of the founders of Bumble. And I wrote this really long email about how I was such a fan that I had blisters from swiping right for days. I mean, it was exaggerated, of course, but I wanted them to know how much I loved it, thinking that I just, he would put us on text or something and he forwarded it to the whole Bumble team. And so I was a little mortified at first, but they responded, how could you not, to that email. Um, and so they were not in my state, they were based in Austin. And, and so I kept on them about trying to get together. And of course they're busy, they're building an app. And so I would say, I would tell the, the woman, um, Alex, say, Alex, I'm gonna be in Austin if you wanna meet for coffee. And when she would say yes, I would book the flight and fly down. <laughs> I wasn't really gonna be in Austin. And I think that's what you have to do. I did that several times uh, until, you know, I they, I earned their trust. Um, I started advising on some things for free because I really did believe in the brand. Um, and I think agencies sometimes, they forget that like you have to believe in the brand and you have to earn trust and that takes time. So to go in and pitch a concept and win the business, that's great, but I'd rather go in and earn their trust first um, because then they're just gonna give you more opportunity to work on bigger projects. So that one was a kind of a slow build, um, but like I said, we're still working with them today and work on a lot of amazing projects and with that team um, and, and that's what it took. So yeah, I, I really pursue brands that I believe in and that I wanna work with um, because now running the company, I get that choice. Yeah, uh, I think they really you really have to align with partners on culture, on mission, um, because it's it's your time. You know, we we only have so much of it, and so let's spend it on working on projects that we believe in. Absolutely, and I love that. Yeah, it's like make sure you gain their trust first. You don't have to sell through a huge deal initially. Just gain their trust, perform well, and then if you do, they'll they'll bring them to you because companies hate searching for agencies too. So. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they'd rather go with one that they trust and believe in than go find one. Yeah. And I, I always say like, you know, undersell over deliver. Mm -hmm. I think so many agents come in with, or agencies come in with big promises and big campaigns and you might get the business initially, but it's going to be really hard to keep it in the long run. Um, and, and we want to be partners for a long time. So we're okay with walking before we run. Fantastic. Well, Laura, that's enough of my questions. I'm going to open it up to uh, the audience. And um, if anyone has a question for Laura, just please raise your virtual hand and we'll, we'll go ahead and call in. I'll, I'll, I'll ask a question. So first off, that was an amazing interview. I was listening in the whole time. I learned a lot from you just hearing the hustle. Uh, again, I keep saying this all day but because I, I just love learning from other people and hearing the hustle story because there's always new ways to just, you know, figure a way to stand out. So with that being said, what is your best advice for current entrepreneurs <clears throat> who are starting out in this strange world that we live in today? Uh, any kind of entrepreneur, like in any field, 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, more broad. Mm -hmm. Okay, my best advice uh, that someone gave me when I started is don't accept a no from someone who doesn't have the power to give you a yes. Uh, and I remember starting out and, you know, I had presented uh, the idea of this agency that I wanted to build to a few different folks, uh, very high levels, different companies and and several of them either, you know, didn't want to be a part of it or thought it was the wrong time to launch. And, and I remember really thinking about that and thinking, well, why am I accepting this no? Like they don't, they don't have a role in the success of this. So I shouldn't allow them to influence my decision. Um, and, and oftentimes too, when we're bringing programs to life, uh, if someone gives us the no, I always think, well, is there someone else that can give me that yes? Am I, am I taking, like, is this no a final? <laughs> or is there another way around? Um, and so just for entrepreneurs, it's don't accept a no or a, you know, any doubt um, from folks that don't have the authority to give it to you or who aren't in the arena getting their ass kicked. <laughs> and, it, you know, take advice from others who have walked the path before you. That's the best that you can have because you know they've they've done it. But those who are on the sidelines, don't let them deter you. Um, the next question I see is from Temi. It says, how did you find brands you want to work with uh, slash you believed in? It was personal for me. Uh, you know, I, my, my staff jokes that you can follow uh, the you can follow um, my life according to the brands that we've signed. So, you know, I really wanted to start working out. So ClassPass became a client. And then I really, you know, I started dating. So Bumble was a client. Then I started drinking. So Jack Daniels became a client. And so like, you can really follow follow that. And, and it, it was brands that, that I believed in and that I saw had really great programs or, or I saw brands that had opportunity that I felt like I could provide value to. Um, but I think really to be able to do that, you have to be a consumer of that brand and that product, because uh, then you understand it at a whole nother level. Um, and you, I can say all of the clients that we have on our roster, I am a consumer of, um, and I have been for a long time. So I'm able to go in and give them a perspective that other agencies can't. Then I see Jay and the attendees. I'm going to allow the talk. Jay, welcome back. Thank you. Hi, Laura. So my question for you is, you were coming from CAA and you had all these contacts. Um, I have a similar background, although I went back and forth. I work in media in front and behind the camera. And I started, my first job was at an at a talent agency in Los Angeles. Um, but some of my client, not my clients, my contacts have kind of stalled out because it's been a while. What is your suggestion if I want to do a marketing agency kind of like this, as far as like starting to get my first clients, like what do I need to get done to start to get clients, you know, when I don't have the sort of contacts that you have or anyone in or it's even a general question. Yeah. Well, when we started Flight View, the only two uh, clients that we started off that I, the relationships I had were Cracker Barrel and Red Cross. And we really focused on those two. 
working on those and delivering for those really well so we can build some good case studies. Um, and then to this day, I'd say none of the relationships from my talent career, I'm not working with any of them. They, all my clients have been built off the case studies that I built based on my first two clients. So my recommendation would be to find one or two and just work on those really, really well to build that. What sells for us is case studies. That's how we're able to grow. Um, Cause going out with just an idea or saying that you can do it, that doesn't mean anything people want, they want to see results. Um, so I would find maybe it's just one, maybe it's a consulting project that you could work on and, and show what you can deliver and then start to build on that, like building blocks. So literally just do like find one client and use that kind of as a case study. Cause I have one now, but I'm not sure what my strategy should be so that I can meet. I had another one, but because of the pandemic, that office closed. And so I had another one. And so it's kind of figuring out what the strategy is. So you're saying is just really focus on at least one and build a case study out from there to show what my concepts would be. Yeah, I would, I would start with that one. I would build your concepts. I would execute a program for them, whatever that looks like. And then use that to go market yourself to get more business because then you've been able to show what you can do, especially in this environment. And right now you can, if you can help a business currently <laughs> and show other businesses what you can do, then that's the best sales tool. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. Um, everybody, thank you so much for your questions. And then Laura, thank you so much for your time. Uh, so Laura, the co-founder of Flight View, thank you for being on the podcast today.